What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. We've got my guy Eddie Garrison coming on to discuss NFL free agency. We talk a lot about the Bears, Panthers trade, and how that affects the Colts. We talk March Madness as well. We make our brackets basically during the show, so we cover just about every single game. But before we get into that, I've got a short little monologue on Jalen Ramsey being traded to the Dolphins. It's an absolutely loaded show. You don't want to miss it. Here we go. Jalen Ramsey has been traded to the Miami Dolphins for a backup tight end, Hunter Long, and a third-round pick. I'm going to try and keep this short because it's already going to be a really long episode. Jalen Ramsey, only 28 years old. Okay, He's made the last six Pro Bowls, and according to PFF, he was the third-best corner in football last year behind only rookie Sauce Gardner of the Jets and Patrick Sertan of the Denver Broncos. Okay, This guy can still play. Okay, everybody trying to tell you that he had a down year last year, ignore them because he didn't. He was still good. Okay, he he didn't defend outside as much. He he was in the slot a little bit more, but the ability to move around just makes him more valuable than what he already is. Okay, this guy is still one of the best corners in football. Okay, you take a guy like that and then you put him into a Vic Fangio coach defense, one of the best defensive coordinators in football, alongside Xavier Howard and Javon Holland over the top. He can still be an extremely effective corner. Okay, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in a new system surrounded by a lot of talent in the secondary because there's a lot of talent in this Miami Dolphins secondary. Okay, this is a huge get for the Miami Dolphins. Okay, They didn't give up anything. Okay, They, they, they didn't give up anything. They gave up a backup tight end and a third-round pick. Okay, I went on Madden and I tried to do that trade and it wouldn't let me. It said it was too one-sided. Okay, The Dolphins gave up... Nothing for one of the best, most talented defenders in football. Okay, so now they have not one, but two corners who have the ability to cover the opposing team's best receiver. That, combined with so many pass rushers on this defensive front, I mean, the defensive front for the Dolphins is loaded as well. Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Christian Wilkins. I mean, there's just there's dudes on dudes on dudes on this defense. Okay, this defense has all the talent that it needs to be one of, if not the best, defense in football, and now they have the coach to really take them there as well. As I said, this was going to be short. I'm just letting you know, this Miami Dolphins defense is going to be dangerous. We're going to take a short break. Then Eddie Garrison is going to join me. He's finally here. He's finally here. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. This episode of Shooting the Schmidt is brought to you by Old Heads Bobbleheads. Do you know an older gentleman who says things like, LeBron wouldn't survive in the 80s? then this product is for them. We sell bobbleheads. Some of our best sellers include LeBron in a full-body cast, Steph Curry in a wheelchair, and Larry Bird. Get yours today at oldheadsbobbleheads.com. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And finally, Eddie Garrison is finally coming on the show. I've been teasing you for like a week, over a week. (laughs) I'm like, I met this cool guy at my new job. I'm I'm trying to get him on. It's it's finally happened. It's like a ghost. It's like, is this guy real? But yes, yes, I'm real. I'm yes. a real person. I He's promise. He's very real. And it's honestly a perfect day. We've got college hoops, and this is day two of the, the NFL free agency period. So we're going to start with the NFL. Um, You're a huge Colts fan. So do you want to talk how the Bears draft pick trade 
affects the Colts first, or do you want to get into all, all the free agency stuff? Doesn't matter to me. I can go either way with it. Um, I'll I'll start with the Matt Gay news of the signing. I, I can't remember the amount of money. I think it's like what four years and four years, twenty two and a half million. Yeah, uh, twenty two and a half million. Not, first of all, I'm not mad with the signing. Like I understand kicking has been a problem for the Colts in years past with Rodrigo Blankenship, and then the final season of uh, Adam Vinatieri in that playoff run in 2018 uh, in Andrew Luck's final season with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Um, I don't, like I just said, I don't have a problem with the signing. The problem I have with it is that Chris Ballard made that a day one priority move over adding an interior offensive lineman because Ryan Kelly has not played up to Pro Bowl caliber the last year and a half. Uh, your right guard position is in flux. Matt Pryor is a free agent. You currently don't have a right guard on the roster unless you want to move Danny Pinter from center to right guard. Uh, and if that's the case, do you trust Danny Pinter to play all 16 games in regular season at a competent level at right guard? Um, and then you look at the edge rush. You have Yannick Ngakwe on the open market. I know they weren't overly impressed and in love with him at the edge rusher position, and he's going to, you know, he's going to command some top dollar in terms of the market because he's probably the biggest name, and he's only twenty seven. Yeah, so he's still relatively young, and he's got over eight sacks in each year of his NFL career. But he's played with four different teams. Uh, he's played with Jacksonville, Minnesota. Uh, the Colts, and then who's the other team? I'm forgetting, or is it only three? I think it's only three. I'm not. I'm not sure though. No, uh, Raiders. He played yes, with the Raiders. You're right. So he yeah, there's the four. Uh, and then you have a cornerback problem. Kenny Moore didn't play up to standard last year, and it's already been Kenny Moore. So interesting. I yes. thought he was fine in the slot. Like when he was in the slot, you know, playing more of that nickelback position, he was fine. But yes. man, you put him out there on the edge, and he's he was a liability to say the least. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you, and that's been the that's been the thing with Kenny for his entire career is that he's been primarily an inside guy that is where he needs to line up. And I don't. He said it last year at the at his exit interview. I want to say uh, after the season was over that he and Gus Bradley just did not mesh well. Uh, so that kind of led to the you know the down year on the Kenny Moore side of things. Can he be a guy? I thought he was going to be a guy that could be included. Uh, in a trade with Chicago for that first pick because it was ties to Matt Eberflus. But then again, I was thinking about it. I was like, it doesn't really make sense for Chicago. They're getting an older age veteran cornerback. doesn't make sense for what you need. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Colts need wide receiver depth, too. When you look at it, they have uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce. Those are the only two names that you have. And Pierce is entering his second year. Pittman uh, is about to enter a big, a big, big year for him, uh, a year in terms of, how much money it, the it's Colts will pay year. him? Correct. Okay. Are are you a, a Michael Pittman Jr. fan? I like Pittman. I do. I just uh, I know where your next question is going with this. I think you're gonna. I think you're, you're gonna ask me if you if I think he's a number one. That's exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he is. I think he's a really good number two. Yes. So here's how. I don't know how you define a wide receiver one. I define a wide receiver one as hey, you go and line up wherever you can line up in the slot you can line up outside and i can find you to get open no matter what i don't have to scheme for you think of like Devonte adams yes cd lamb tyreek hill yeah. all those guys can get open in a variety of different ways and with michael pittman it just feels like 
and I hate to I hate to say it like this because I think Michael Thomas is a good player, but slant God, like or, <laughs> like I'm sorry, but like that's it, slants and drags are the only two yeah. ways that I can. I just envision Pittman getting open or the 50-50 deep balls. Like, if you look at the intermediate passing route game, he doesn't really have much of a presence there. Yeah, I would agree. So, yeah, like like you said, I think he's a really, really good wide receiver, too. Can he get to wide, wide receiver one potential? I think so. Maybe. I like Alec Pierce. I love Alec Pierce. You talk about the ability to go up and make challenge catches down the field. That is That popped really early on in the year, especially in – you know, I, I know you remember the dreaded Thursday night football game that went to overtime. Like Alec Pierce was the only good thing that came out of that game. He really kind of popped that game. And he's big and he's fast. I really like Alec Pierce. Hopefully, they can just you know find a quarterback who can actually throw him the ball. Oh yeah, I agree with you there. And I think the thing with Pierce is that he was such a one trick pony this past season for the yeah. Indianapolis Colts. Like you, like the first thing you think of when you think of Alec Pierce is oh. 50, 50 balls down the sideline. Like yes, he should get one or two of those a game at least. I agree. Uh, but he has to become a more polished route runner. Yes, uh, in the intermediate because I think with that kind of big body frame, he should be really good yeah. over the middle. Yeah, and we've been kind of spoiled. I think these last couple of years with guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, oh, it's yeah. it is not normal for college receivers to come in and be great like that and be able to do multiple things. Like most receivers, it takes them. A few years because the route tree in the NFL is just so different from the route tree that you run in college. And so this is normal stuff. Just seeing that he's physical, he's able to go up and get balls, though. Like that's that's what I want in in a number one receiver. Yeah, I know. I think he, he needs to work on his release at the line of scrimmage. I know he gets pushed off his spot a lot. Um, and not, I mean that'll just come with being in the weight room and and whatnot. But an interesting thing, like to think about, you see the Jamar Chases, you see the Justin Jeffersons, like you mentioned. And you think about how each of those offenses kind of built their game around those guys. Like you repair Chase and Burrow together in Cincinnati from their days in LSU. And Cincinnati's done a really, really good job of putting Joe Burrow in a position to to succeed since he was the day one starter. Like they made the system to him to play to his strengths. And I think you're seeing that a lot now across the entire NFL. You're seeing Mm -hmm. it a lot with Kirk Cousins. Miami and Tua. Correct, yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of quarterbacks that are having young success in terms of their NFL career and at their ages simply because a lot of these offensive minds are adapting to what these guys do well in college. And that's what should be done. I agree. That just makes sense. Yes, Uh, which is why that's what the Colts need to do uh, with whatever quarterback they decide to go to because to bring this kind of full circle here with the Matt Gay signing, I think this is Chris Ballard also – Kind of showing his cards just slightly that he's paying top dollar at a non-premium position because they're going to build this roster around a rookie quarterback and not through a Lamar Jackson. Yes, even though man, I love Lamar Jackson. I talked about him quite a bit the other day. Um, he's he's expensive, though. And look, yeah. if, you want to win, if you want to win a Super Bowl, you draft a rookie quarterback who can play, who's mm-hmm. cheap, and then you go and you, you, you build around him. That's you know the formula that we've seen for years outside of you know Tom Brady taking less money, and Patrick Mahomes just being Mahomes this last year. Oh, yeah. So, any other big signings? Obviously, we got Jimmy G to the Raiders. Like, that's cool. I guess, for me, I just the, the implications on the draft that free agency has. See, Jimmy G's a guy where now if the Raiders wanted to, with the ninth pick, they could take Aunt Richardson or Levis and let them sit a year. 
It's, it, with both those guys, that's what I would suggest. Um, so I, I I found that interesting. Um, who else? I think when you look at what the Bears have done. The Bears have been really aggressive. They have. I mean, they went out and got Tremaine Edmonds, who's a really good linebacker. They mm-hmm. went and got TJ Edwards, who's another solid linebacker. Uh, they get another first round pick and another second round, uh, two second round picks in that trade from one to nine with Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they were in the running for Mike McGlinchey. I thought they were going to be able to land McGlinchey before he ultimately went into Denver. And you can't sleep on what the Broncos have done either. Uh, they went and got Ben Powers, a really good offensive guard from uh, Baltimore, who uh, who is consistent and available. I think that's a, that's a really big thing to look at specifically with O-line is can you be available one and two? Can you be consistently good? And I think that's a big signing for Denver to go with Mike McGlinchey, who's coming from San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you know, because that offensive line last year for Russell Wilson was not good. It was um, not. It no. was so bad. No. And, and if you get some give Russell Wilson some extra protection, I think you'll start to see the Russell Wilson of old from Seattle show up again because he yeah. took a lot of hits last year and I think they caught up to him eventually. But and it's also hard to forget you look at those final four weeks. He got on track and he started he to cook again. I think that was more of what's to come versus oh, that was a blip on the radar. Yeah. I love the the forty nine er signing Javon Hargrave. Yes. They just continue to add depth on their front four. And it's just, it's insane. Did you see that the Ravens released um, Calais Campbell? Campbell? I thought that move was, um, I'm not surprised by it, but it's like still one of those where you go, oh, that's a little odd. Yeah. Um, But when you think about, I don't know what the the cap situation was with him i don't know how much that saves them on the cap seven million this year which isn't that's not a ton not a ton but if you're going to i honestly think they do whatever they whatever team offers lamar i think they match no matter what i think them putting the non-exclusive tag on lamar is them saying hey we're done trying to negotiate with them yeah someone else negotiate with them and whatever you guys come to agree with is what will match so i think any amount of money that you can save when you have to sign Lamar to a two hundred plus million dollar contract and guaranteed money, I think that's what you have to do. Yeah, I I would agree. But here's the thing: like they don't have to give him the guaranteed money, and that's I think that's ultimately where negotiations for them fell apart. At least from everything I've read and everything yep. that's been reported. And look, we've seen it. It's so funny. The Browns are like, we should do this. We should give quarterbacks guaranteed money, and the rest of the NFL is like, no, no way. We're we're not yeah. going to do that. And so. That's just yeah. It's it's only day two. Uh, Jimmy G, Taylor Heineke to the Falcons is so interesting. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be a backup, but they have the eighth pick in this draft, so they could take a quarterback. But at the same time, they took Ritter last year in in the third round. Um, he's thrown a hundred and fifteen pass attempts. He only played five games, and it's just it's so interesting. Kind of looking at this, obviously, well, not now with, with the Panthers trading up, but. Kind of the Raven, the Ravens, the Raiders, and the Falcons, kind of sit in this seven and nine spot where they could definitely take a quarterback. But we've seen them both make these interesting quarterback moves in the offseason, kind of uh-huh. like bridge guys. Yeah. And so it's, I'm so intrigued by both of those teams as to what they're going to do, you know, on on, on draft night. I am too. Uh, Dan Graziano of ESPN said yesterday that he had heard that Vegas was in the running with 
uh, Carolina for that number one pick. Really? The only problem with Vegas is they didn't have a player like DJ Moore to give up. Um, Hunter Renfro. They've got so many guys. But Renfro's not a guy. Like, same with Cooper Cup. Like, they're both good wide receivers, but they're not guys that, like, tilt the field. Yeah. It's just, it's a weird thing to say with, like, slot guys. They're hard to value. Yeah. Uh, I think DJ Moore. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Like, and if you look at what the Bears needed from a wide receiver standpoint, they have a speed. So they've, in uh, Darnell Mooney, mm-hmm. Chase, Claypool Chase Claypool can kind of do a little bit of everything, but not like at the level of a wide receiver one. And I think DJ Moore can do everything. DJ Moore's awesome. Yes. If DJ Moore had been drafted by the Bears and he had played his entire career with the Bears, he would currently be third all time in receptions and he'd be the all the all time leader leader in that's receiving just, yards. That's just in five years. Yeah, <laughs> which is tells you how terrible receivers have been for the Bears. Outside of Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey, I can't I yeah. can't think of any other like notable There isn't. Bears wide receivers, yeah. Mike Ditka, but he's not a wide receiver, he yeah. was a tight end. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. So, now let's let's talk about the Bears and this trade and mainly how it affects the Colts because I think obviously everybody knows the Panthers now, they have a guy that that they must love that they knew that they weren't going to be able to get at 9. And so they're they're going to take quarterback at 1. The Texans are probably going to take a quarterback at two, mm-hmm. which leaves the Colts at four to probably take not Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. Do you like Will Levis or, or Anthony Richardson at, at the four spot? Let's start there. Um, I prefer Anthony Richardson every day of the week that ends in Y over Will Levis. I agree. We're on the Le- same page. Levis is such a polarizing player. Not to say Anthony Richardson isn't either, but the ceiling for Richardson can be generational. Yes. Um, because of everything that he can do with his mobility in the pocket, his arm, his legs, physicality. He's literally Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson mixed together. I'd say more Cam Newton because of the build, but his ability to throw the football is more Lamar Jackson than Cam Newton because Cam was just too big to where he couldn't throw the football down the field. And Anthony Richardson, he's just tall and he's lean. He is. And he's I, thick. Yes. He is just, like and you said, the, the I, ceiling is so high for him. And yeah. when you hear people talk about Levis, that P word, that gets thrown around in every draft, potential. potential. Will Levis has so much potential. And I just think if you're going to draft a quarterback solely based off of potential, why would you not take the guy who has more potential? I agree. And like he wasn't Richardson wasn't as bad as the stats suggest at Florida. The wide receiver play oh, no. was bad. literally you and me. <laughs> like we could have caught as many footballs Don't as they guys. Don't sleep on me did. now. Come on. Now. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm not. Um but like the wide receiver play at Florida was not good. They had a lot of drops, a lot of miscommunications too. And there's like I think one of the best guys who does film breakdowns is Dan Orlovsky, and I sure oh, he doesn't great. show like all the bad tape. He mainly shows the good tape, but like there's a lot of good with Anthony Richardson. The problem that I have with Will Levis is two things, and there are two things that I don't think you can coach. One is pocket awareness and the ability to sense pressure. Yes, I so I've gone back. I think I've watched six games from his senior year, and there's a great account on YouTube. Yep. They cut up all these different draft guys you can go back and watch he has none and zero the comp for him is josh allen right and first of all 
If you think Will Levis is going to turn into Josh, if you think anybody is going to turn into Josh Allen, that is that's that's absurd because there's yes. only one. And here's the thing: when you go back and you watch Josh Allen tape at Wyoming, was he inaccurate? Yes. Were all the tools visible? Yes. Very similar to Will Levis in that regard. But the difference with Josh Allen, he's great under pressure in the NFL, and he feels pressure as well as anybody. Yes. And you saw that when he was at Wyoming on on tape. Yeah. If you go back and you watch, you can see it. And Will Levis just it's not there. Yeah, and I don't I I honestly think that's something you can't coach. Like the, oh, no, the ability can't. to feel pressure, I don't think you can I don't think you can coach that. Like sure you can speed up the internal clock. You're like, hey you got you gotta get the ball out in three seconds, four seconds. If you're it's a three step drop on a hitch, you gotta get rid of it. But like if it's when the plays break breaks down, mm-hmm. are you standing in the pocket to wait for a guy to get open? Or are you moving the pocket? And I didn't see a lot of that with Will Levis. He doesn't and I think, move, and which he should, because he's so mobile. You would think that he would be able to do that. Yes, and I think here's here's what I think a scout could tell you as well. What he took some pretty bad hits last year, and the argument that you can make is, well, he wasn't moving around because he was hurt. Okay, here's the question to that. Was he hurt because he couldn't feel the pressure before that? And yeah. there's a reason why he took all unnecessary hits. The comp that I have for for Will Levis, he's either A, MVP Carson Wentz, or B, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's not bad, though. But you don't want to take Ryan Tannehill with the number four overall pick. Bingo. Like, do you? I would rather put my eggs in a basket on the guy that, you know— can be a one-of-one one alien type of quarterback in Anthony Richardson. Sure, you don't have – you mean you don't – in in any of these teams, Carolina now without D.J. Moore, none of these teams really have the weapons around the quarterback to succeed right away, yeah. which is why I wouldn't rule out the Colts signing like a Jameis Winston or a Gardner Minshew because of the ties with Minshew and Steichen from Philly. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I Let me ask you this last question, and then we'll move on to the bracket – would you be willing to wait one year to potentially draft Caleb Williams or Drake May? Because uh, both of those guys, which, to be fair, this happens every year, yeah. where the guy who's going to be available next draft, we say, would go number one in this draft. We said the same thing about Bryce Young last year, and now that you know he's actually available, there's there's all these issues with Bryce Young. Uh-huh. And so, but look, I don't think it's, you can really deny, especially Williams, man, he is just... He's on another level too. Uh-huh. So, would you be willing to wait one year to potentially draft one of those two guys? I I will say no. Okay. Um, I I would normally say yes, but the problem that you run into as a Colts fan here is they have a lot of talent as it is. I think they have more talent than people realize. I would agree. That offensive system last year was really bad. You and I could probably sit down in an hour and come up with a better playbook than that. <laughs> when Reich got fired, that the play calling was just dreadful. Like you, yeah. every wide receiver would just they, run to the sticks and stop. That that was literally that was the playbook. Well, they had a guy calling plays who had called played called plays once before, and on, I think on I, Madden, yeah, and, and, on on Madden, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure he was our age. Like not not even kidding. He was legitimately like 20, 23, 24. 27. 27. 27. Okay. Yeah, Parks Razor. Yeah. Still like. Yeah, and you've got you're pulling a high school coach out out from behind a desk at ESPN. Mm-hmm. 
It's just it's the coaching's going to be better. We know that. Yeah, and there's optimism that Shaquille Leonard will be back, and he should be close to the form that he was playing at prior to the ankle slash back slash neurological issue that he had, which is kind of scary to think about in my eyes because it's like, well, if it's a nerve issue, does this can he really get back to where he was? Anytime you have anything related to your back, yep, it's so hard to have faith in in a return to how good you were. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it in less physical sports like golf with guys like Tiger Woods. They hurt their back, and they just aren't the same. In a much less physical—a non-contact sport is not the same, you know? Yeah. Uh, And then you look at the rest of the defense. I think that Colts defense has the potential to be, you know, top 12, top 15, because—and they can move into top 10. They were good last year. The problem was they were on the field for 40 minutes again. Exactly. That's that's what I was about to get at here is, like, if you get a solid quarterback, they can move the ball down the field and not just go three and out, three and out, three and out. Sure, you get, like, let's say you have, you know, six, seven, eight plays, but you ponder, you settle for a field goal. That's, what, three-plus minutes of your defense is off the field? At yeah. least just with the drive alone? I think that, that was a big part of the reason of their late, late downfall was – the defense was just exhausted. And it's like one of those things like where you know on the sideline it's like, Well fuck. We gotta we gotta we gotta go up. We gotta go out here and you know, we gotta get another stop. We gotta we gotta make a turnover, guys. Come on, it's all on us. We gotta do this, we gotta do that. Yeah. Because we we know the office ain't doing anything. They can't score twenty points. They can't they can't. And that was that was ultimately the issue for the goals last year. The offense was just so terrible and do <sighs> And I know you said that you feel like this Colts team has a lot more talent than people realize. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't really even know, man. Like, the NFL stands for, not for long. We're seeing that with, with Shaq Leonard. We're even seeing it with, with um, Quentin Nelson. He, he's he been banked up, and he hasn't been the same these past couple of years. He had the, he had a back surgery, too. I think people forget about that in the offseason leading up to last year. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had a back procedure, and... I think that hurt him a little bit this year. I don't think he got fully recovered. I think he did get like recovered from it, but I don't think he got back to where he is. And now I think he can get there. It's just I think back injury and back surgery is one of those things where it takes a long time. Yeah, and it there's a part of me that feels like the Colts have just kind of missed their window because their their pillar guys when they were at their peak they didn't have the quarterback. Chris Ballard is just late to grab a quarterback, which is so frustrating. Yeah. Um, I think Ballard has been too scared to draft a quarterback because he knows, just like every other general manager, if I draft a quarterback and this guy does not pan out, I'm done. Which is... I'm toast. So dumb. Which is... Okay. So, I uh, I guess I guess it was last year. I went back to the draft of 2000. I worked from the draft of 2000 all the way up to today. And if you look at the quarterback success rates of first-round quarterbacks, what do you think it is? Of how many guys end up being at least formidable? Uh, I'll say 70% because there was a handful in there that weren't good. So about 25% of them end up being like elite superstars, guys that you feel like you can win a Super Bowl with. Yeah. And then about another 25% of them end up being like Jimmy G, Kirk Cousins, guys that you – are fine with being your starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the other half are busts. You have a 50% chance... I could see that. ...at grabbing just a, a guy that you're okay with. And so all these owners who fire GMs because they don't draft a quarterback are dumb because it, it is the hardest thing to do 
in the NFL. It is much easier to draft receivers and offensive linemen and defensive linemen than it is to draft the guy at quarterback. That's why there's only like eight of them in the NFL that are like legitimately superior to everybody else. You go back to that 2020 draft, I think that's the draft that that's where the this I don't want to say a down downward spiral, but this uncertainty and this lack of hope and optimism and life within the Colts organization slash fan base started. You trade away the 13th pick for DeForest Buckner. You get in the who's, who's a good player. He's but a not, really good player, really he's good not, professional. He's not a Super Bowl needle mover. Correct. And you look at who got drafted that year. You got Tua and you have Herbert. You And I know they liked Herbert. That's uh, somebody. Didn't? Well, a lot of people didn't. I loved Herbert. I did too. I know they liked. I knew they liked Herbert. And then in the twenty-one draft, they liked Fields a lot. They really? Did, they did not go up and get him. They did not go up and get Herbert. Twenty twenty was the year I think that you had to make that quarterback move because that's when uh, Matt Ryan or not Matt Ryan. That's when Philip Rivers retired on you. Yep, that is. And you made the decision, or well. He hadn't retired yet. That was the year you had him. Yes. That's the year you could have put a quarterback underneath of Phillip. And if you thought that Phillip Rivers, and I think they wholeheartedly did, believe that you'd be able to get two years out of Rivers, then I could see why they didn't. But I don't think you can risk that because you have to have some outward look toward the future. And yes. the Colts and Ballard didn't do that. So and it's just Band-Aid after Band-Aid, and it's just eventually it's now caught up to them. And the more we've talked about, like, building around the quarterback, building around the quarterback, and acquiring talent. I think their roster in 2021 was built oh, it was for so a ready. rookie quarterback. It was, so, it was so prepared for them to bring in a, a rookie quarterback, go like 10 and, I think they play, 10 and 6, 10 and 7, however many, however many games they played that year. And then the next year, really make a leap under year two of whoever was the new quarterback. Yes. And, the, and they didn't do it. And I think you're right. I, I think... It's look, so easy. Look for, at Kansas City, for example. They yeah. had Alex Smith, and they were in the playoffs. And next thing you know, they're like, "All right, we know we've maxed out our ceiling here. Let's let's move up and get Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes." Yeah, and they, I'd say you, it worked out. <laughs> you think, you, yeah, right. You, you think anyone who's a Chiefs fan in Kansas City or around the world is complaining like, "Hey, we gave up, you know, this pick, that pick, and the other pick. We've got two Super Bowls. We've been to three. We've won the AFC almost every year since he's become the starting quarterback. Yep, and that's that's the thing with this Panthers and Bears trade. Everybody's talking about how how much the Bears got, but if Stroud or Young or whoever the Panthers take at one ends up being an absolute stud, they're not going to care that they gave up but four picks and DJ Moore. Did, did they really give up four picks though? They only gave up three if you think about it, because they moved from nine to one, so you don't lose yeah. an extra pick. So really, three, three picks. All you're giving up for this future quarterback is your first-round pick of next year, mm-hmm. your a second-round pick of this and, year, but yes. it's the 49ers' second-round pick. That's the, that's the thing that people need to realize. It's that 61st pick. It's mm-hmm. not the 36 or whatever pick they have. Yep. And then the 2025 second. So you're giving up two second-round picks and a first-round pick in all reality here with D.J. Moore for a quarterback that you hope to be you're a franchise guy. You don't make a move like this unless, you, unless you're 100% sure that this guy can be your franchise guy. 100%. And I'm telling you right now, it's going to be Stroud. 
I, I it's got to be Stroud. It's Stroud or Richardson. I, it's one of those two. It's not you don't Young. Think, you don't think it's Young? No. Like Here's You don't even why. think there's a chance that it could be Young. Here's the reason why I don't think that. Why would you trade up to number one prior to a pro day with a guy who did not work out at the combine? That's fair. You So you just had the combine. You see Anthony Richardson. You talk to Anthony Richardson. You see C.J. Stroud. You talk to C.J. Stroud. Yes, they talk with Bryce Young, but... You just watched all these guys work out, and then you trade up to number one. You didn't wait until Bryce Young had his pro day to see what the arm strength was like and whatnot, and if he can maintain the weight between now and then. Yeah. That's why I think it's one of those two guys. That's That makes – you're smart. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's deep thought. <laughs> A lot of uh, – it could be way overthinking, or it could be the truth. I, I have no idea. I just simply think that Stroud is hands down the best quarterback in this class. I'm right there with you. Simple as that. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to break down the college basketball March Madness that is that's here tonight. Playing games, yeah. Playing games are tonight. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt, about to break down the March Madness tournament bracket. Game starts tonight with the playing games. All right, Eddie, I have to confess. I sat down to make my bracket last night. And it just it didn't go well. When I looked up and I had Arkansas in my final four, I was like, I just I I, huh. I, I need I need to go to bed. That's a little biased, don't you think? Oh, it's extremely biased. And that's that's what happens though, right? Like we we it may not even be our team. We find teams that we like because we watch them during the conference tournament, whether it's, you know, Furman as a thirteen seed or it's Oral Roberts at yeah. the twelve or it's Texas at the two. We we find teams and for whatever reason, we grab onto them and then we just ride them through the tournament, and I've been doing that all year with Arkansas, and I just yeah. When I did that, and I Nick had ba- Smith, right? Nick Smith Jr. That's my guy. That's my guy. Um, so I, I did that, and then I looked up and I had Baylor winning the whole thing, and I was like bedtime. Yeah, I, I shut my computer off and I, I went straight to bed. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you look at the Kim Palm, because I mean, it's hard to overlook that aspect of you. You have to be. Top twenty offensive efficiency, top forty defensive efficiency. That's how, uh, that's how it's really worked out the last twenty plus years. I I can't remember the exact number, but Baylor falls outside of that. They're outside the top one hundred in defi- defensive yeah. efficiency. They're so is, bad defensively, but they've got big guards so who can score. It is weird. I know because <laughs> Baylor traditionally plays defense, and their yeah. offense is as good as. You can make an argument that it's better than the offense that they had in 2021 when they won the whole thing. I uh, yeah that 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 when they won it in uh, 21, they they had toughness, they had grit, they didn't turn the ball over either. That's the big they that's didn't. the big thing. And they turned other people over. Yes, I remember being so upset because I was at the Elite Eight game when they played Arkansas here here in Indy. That was uh, was that Jalen uh, Justin Smith and Justin Smith, JD Note, Desi Sills, Isaiah Joe. Was he still there? He was not. Oh. This is this is year after them. I, I I like I like watching him in the NBA because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has such a pure and smooth jump shot as him. He's he's been so good for the Thunder this year. I know, but anyway, so you would just you sit down and you would watch them play. And Arkansas would pull pull to within four to six, and then it'd be like three turnovers, three layups, and you're down again. And they had they were just that 2021 team was so good, golly. But anyway, so I'm actually gonna make my bracket as we do this. Oh, this will be fun. So um, obviously, I'll do it with you. Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. 
Where do you want to start? South or Midwest? Well, let's just start with the South. That's the one that first that pops up for me. Okay, sounds good. Uh, obviously, Bama. Yep. I know Maryland can't win outside of the state of Maryland. They have three wins away from their home court, and they've just picked up one in the Big Ten tournament. I feel like every time I watch, every time I've seen Maryland play this year, it's been Maryland at their absolute best. Yep. And so that is how they're lodged into my mind. And West Virginia is the guy that is really a big, big player for them when they're at home. Yes. When they're on the road, he turns extremely passive. Yeah. Extremely passive. And if they don't get Jameer Young going, it's going to be really, really hard for Maryland to beat West Virginia. And West Virginia traditionally wins in March. Um, yep. oh, what's his name? Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins. That's a good coach. Yep. And coaching matters. This is one of the good things about college sports. You feel like coaching actually has has an impact on games. Yep. I think uh, I think this tournament especially that it's going to come down a lot yep. to senior senior or experienced guards and coaching more yes. so than it comes down to offensive and deficiency uh, defensive uh, de- efficiency. I keep okay. wanting to say defensive efficiency and combine the two words, but I can't. Okay, it's fine. I'm with you. We know what you mean. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm I'm gonna take West Virginia. Same. I think I'm with you. Yep. And I'm, I'll take San Diego State. I like Charleston. Good story, but uh, I think the defense for SDSU is and I overpowering. I really wanted to take Charleston because they've won 31 games. That's more wins than anybody else in the country. Yep. But I feel like the recipe for 12 seeds beating fives, or for any of these lower seeds beating these higher seeds, especially for these mid-major conferences, is you have one or two guards. Who are, who shouldn't be playing at mid majors, and you've got guys who can shoot. Charleston does not score; they just don't. Nope. I don't know why. So I'm. I think I'm with you. I'm going to take San Diego State there as well. Uh, I know we talked about this yesterday. Furman o- over Virginia. Yes, I I think the the loss of their wing and I can't remember Vanderplas for Virginia. That's a that's big. It is. He he's a guy that helps them rebound, helps them defend because he can switch. Uh, and he's one of their primary scorers. Yep. Uh, so now you have to put more on Beekman. You have to put more on former Indiana Hoosier, Armand Franklin, and Kihei Clark. I don't think they can hold that up. And I don't either. The Paladins, they can shoot. Yes, they, they can. They can score. And, uh, and if you can score against Virginia, good night, Cavaliers. Yeah, the thing with Virginia, their play style just begs to be upset in March because they just don't <laughs> yeah. score enough. Nope. And part of it is is the pace at which they play. I know the year that they won it all, that was like the big thing. It was like, oh, like we're good offensively. We just play really, really slow. It's like, all right, man, whatever you say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, and plus they had a pro. They did. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter. And he is, he is a pro. And Kyle Guy. And Kyle Guy. Who's the other one? Uh, Ty Jerome. Mm-hmm. So they had three pros on yeah. that team. That's, Kyle Guy's. That's awesome. the difference. Did did you go up to Noblesville and watch the um, Dizzy runs in the offseason? No. You should have. It's a lot of fun. I, I went up for a couple games. Gr- great time. Great time. Anyway, um, Creighton and NC State, I really like Creighton. Yep. I know people loved them coming into the year. They had some injuries, so so they lost. Cockburner. Yep, mm-hmm. went down right in the middle of the year. And so I, I like Creighton to beat NC State. Like- they, they could be a sleeper to actually make a, a pretty deep run. Yeah, uh, I like Baylor. Yeah, me too. One. That one's and, easy. Uh, I'm going to take Missouri. Yep. Missouri plays defense. They they rebound. I'm, Don't I'm sleep on Missouri. Utah State though. I think I think Utah State can could pull it out. Uh, 
They played really good in the conference tournament. They did. They did. But moving on, uh, Arizona over Princeton. That one's not hard. Do you, do you want to do the entire South and then move on? Or do you want to go like round of 64? I don't care. However you want to do this. Uh, let's, let's do round of 64. That'll, that'll be fun. Uh, East next. That worked for you? Yep. We, we, we can talk Purdue a little bit. Yep. Purdue, that's, that one's not hard. Yep. Memphis and FAU are both seated too low. Like they're both probably more sixes and sevens. I like Memphis. Um, then again, every time I've watched them play, it's been them playing Houston. Really, really tough. They're big. They've they've got a guard. Um, oh, what's his name? One of the best guards in the country. Senior. He, he may not be a senior, but he's older. Um, yeah, you're alone on this one. I, I yeah, don't know. I, I don't remember his name. Anyway, I promise he can play. I promise. Yeah. So uh, I, I like Memphis in that one. I like Florida Atlantic. Um Nine seeds have won 11 of the last 16 games against eight seeds. I think Florida Atlantic's a really good team. Um, coached by Dusty May, former, uh, I think it was assistant at Indiana State. Okay. Uh, he's a Hoosier. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning that route there with the, the, the Indiana tie. I, I can't give you X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's with this one, but I, I just, that's why I'm going Florida Atlantic. Okay, fair enough. I that's, like teams that win 30 games. That's how this stuff works. I remember growing up, we, we would always do like these bracket challenges within our grade. This girl would be like, I'm just going to pick the team with the uniforms that I like the most. And she, she would always win. So, yeah, maybe that's... I mean, they're they're sneaky. I mean, they rank uh, in top 40 in both offensive and def- uh, defensive efficiency. So, that's they're impressive. sneaky good in, is FAU. Moving on. So, I know you really like Oral Roberts. They were a team that I've been on for a while. Mac uh, Apesmith, or however you say his last name, which is beyond me that the way it's pronounced or how it's spelled, is better than he, what he was as a freshman. Oh yeah, and they actually have a true center, Connor Vanover. Oh my gosh, don't do not call him a true center. I watched him play at Arkansas for two years. I know, and just he looks like he looks like a gazelle that whose leg has been bitten off by a lion. He just like limps up and down the court. He can shoot. And block and, shots. In that conference, yes. But, like, when you see him against, like, legitimate Power 5 teams, the lack of weight is so apparent. I mean, he's 7'5". Like. He's, like, 7'3", 160 pounds. I, I may weigh m- more than him. <laughs> like, seriously. And, well, I mean, I just remember watching him play at Arkansas. Like, he could come in and, and he, he could knock down shots, which was great. But defensively, against these... Legitimate bigs, he really struggled. Philipowski will. Philipowski is going to have his way, and so I hate this. I'm going to take Duke. I am too. That's why I hate hate this draw for Oral Roberts. I was Duke has Duke has um they have a guard Uh, Roach. Yes, Roach. Roach. That's that's a guy who can really play as well. So it's not like um he's however you say his last however you say his name. It's not like. you know, he's going to have... Or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to keep trying, and if I butcher it, I butcher it. I don't care. <laughs> and so it's not like there's just a huge mismatch there either. And so I'm I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to take Duke. Did you say yesterday that you were going to take Louisiana to beat uh, t- <laughs> uh, the, the Volunteers? Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, they lost to Kai Ziegler, did Tennessee, and he was their primary ball handler and distributor, starting point guard for them. I could see them losing. Yeah. Uh, the way that they and plus it's March, the Vols don't play in March. They don't. They don't. I could. Rick Barnes in general doesn't win in March. I took Tennessee in this game. 
but I'm not confident. Yeah, I'm going to take them as well, just because they're they're so big. I feel like these mid-major teams would just really kind of struggle to hang with their size, um, and they're physical, man, and they can defend. I I'm going to take I'm, I'm going to take the Vols. The problem I have with Louisiana is that they're really good rebounding. They're one of the best rebounding teams in the country, but they struggle bad at the free throw line. And if yeah. if you are a bad free throw shooting team, you don't win. Except exactly, you have to be a, at least average or a way above average to pull off an upset. If you're going, uh, if you're going to be a uh, if you're going to be a Cinderella story, I, I agree. Uh, Kentucky and Providence. I'm going to take the Wildcats. They've just kind of figured some things out here recently. Shibwe is still a beast underneath. They've got uh, the guard. I want to say his last name's Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, went for 38 against Arkansas or, earlier this year. Just a guy who can really score. And look, if you have if you can rebound and you have some guards that can play, you should be able to to, to get out of the first round. Antonio Reeves is another player, good yeah. three point shooter. They've relied on him a lot lately. I think Providence is an interesting team because Ed Cooley is really good as a he coach, um, and they're always in every game. Like no matter what, like it's Providence. You know it's going to come down to the wire. There's a good chance they're going to win. Uh, I did take Kentucky in this one as well. Okay. And then Kansas State, no discussion there? Nope. And then I'm taking Michigan State over USC. Sparty and Izzo we trust. Yeah. As John Rothstein says, January, February, Izzo. It is. It's. I mean, yeah, there's no other reason why I'm taking Michigan State yep. other than the fact that they have Coach Izzo. Mm-hmm. And then Marquette, obviously, over Vermont. Yep. Uh, you want to go? Midwest. Sounds great. Uh, Houston, that one's not hard. Uh-huh. Iowa or Auburn? I've watched Iowa so little this year. Usually I watch them a bunch because they're usually better than they were this year. Um, I went, Auburn? I went Iowa. I The games I've watched Auburn, I have not liked what I've seen from them. Their guards are just – I don't like their guards. I think uh, – shoot, what's um, – Tony Perkins. I think he can handle Wendell Green. And I and Green's the straw the straw that stirs the drink. For he Auburn. is, he and is. I, yeah. If you eliminate him, that offense is just really bad, and that's why I went Iowa. Yeah, I. Plus, I think I'm that's a big fair. believer in Chris Murray. He's so good. He's so good. Yes. So yeah, I I think I'm with you. I I'm gonna take Iowa, even though I do think that the SEC was disrespect a little bit with with the seating this year. Got my first five twelve upset right here. Do you really? I got you like Drake Bulldogs. to beat Miami? I do like the Bulldogs. I've got Miami. I just I just trust them. I don't know why. I shouldn't. I have no business trusting Miami. I mean, they should be better than what they were. They have Isaiah yeah. Wong, Nigel Pack. Uh, who's the other guy? At some point, talent just... I'm, I'm such a talent guy. Like, if you have talent, I'm an absolute sucker for you. It doesn't matter how bad you've looked. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to with Miami. Like, when you watch them play... It's so obvious how talented they are. And you just think that at some point when they play against these these mid-major teams that the talent is just going to be overwhelming across the board. And Drake is a very experienced team. They've got four guys that are about 23 years old. Jeez. So, I mean, the experience of Drake, to me, I think they were here last shout year. Shout out COVID. Were they? Were they <laughs> what'd you say? Said shout out to COVID oh, for yeah. that. <laughs> uh, did Drake meet the tournament last year? I don't think they did, no. They may have been upset in the in the Mo Valley uh, championship game thing because I think they were 
one of the top teams, and then they lost somebody. I, I yeah, I remember now they did not make it, but they were one of the top teams in Bow Valley last year. They don't turn the ball over, and I think that's a big thing when you're trying to fine tune and pick upsets. Is like, are you a good free throw shooting team? Check. Do you take care of the ball? Check. Are you experienced? Check. And I think those are recipes for upsets, which is why I like Drake over the U. Fair enough. Uh, I've got IU over Kent State. I begrudgingly do as well. I don't. I don't love the matchup, but yeah, I went IU. Don't okay. love the matchup. Okay. What? Why not? Kent. I've watched. I've watched a lot of college basketball in the last month, more so than I probably ever have. I've watched less this year than in my entire life leading up. So yeah, Kent State. I watched a good amount of them because I have a friend who went to Ball State, and he would always send me bets, and they were Kent State. So I was like, all right. So I would either tailor or just watch the game to familiarize myself. They have a guy like I, I've told you. He's like a Justin Smith. He's a freshman, but he's got some serious bounce, and he's super uber athletic. Halfway through the conference year, they decided to move him from the bench to the starting rotation and I think that's helped them a lot defensively. And they're really, really good defensively. Sincere Carey is a very, very experienced point guard. Averages about 18 a game, shoots nearly 40% from beyond distance. I think they have the ability to contain and make life hell for Trace Jackson Davis for Indiana. And if you make life hell for Trace Jackson Davis, that is not good for the Indiana Hoosiers because they don't have consistent shooters. Hutchifino would have to. You think Hutchifino is going to have to have a solid game in order for IU to win? Hutchifino is going to have to put up twenty points if they want to win this game. Wow, he's okay. going to have to get twenty, or he's going to have to have like sixteen and five, sixteen and six, and Trace is going to have to have like twenty nine and six. For them to have a chance, because if Hood Shafino and Trace each have six assists, that means somebody's knocking down shots. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Iowa State or Mississippi State or Purdue? Uh, Pitt. Pitt? No, you mean or Pitt. Or Pitt, excuse me. Thank you. I took Iowa State. Yeah, me too. I'm pretty chalk for the rest of the way, so if you want to just Yeah, Xavier, uh, A&M in Texas. I got got A&M. Yeah, same. Texas. Yeah, same. Okay, cool. Moving on to the West. The West is so loaded. Yeah, I've got Kansas, Arkansas, St. Yeah. Mary's, UConn. I've got VCU. Interesting. That's okay. my 12-5. That game is going to be so ugly that... Does the team crack 50? I don't know. That's the thing. And I, I like I like picking upsets where, where it's low scoring just simply because it's so much easier for me to comprehend a mid-major team beating... You know, one of these better teams. If the final score is fifty-four to fifty, then it is eighty, eighty-two to seventy-six. I agree. And so I, I really like this for for VCU. But I mean, when you think about St. Mary's, though, this is the kind of game they want to also play. So you're, yeah, that's it's true. Two teams that want to play this way. Which team can take the other team out of rhythm? Can St. Mary's play faster? Well, it, well no, it's which team finds a rhythm. I. That's also that's a good point. <clears throat> I just because. This is going to be such a slugfest. I, I mean, people last year thought they St. Mary's would be the five twelve when they played Indiana, and they literally just stuck it to the Hoosiers. They did. We'll see. I <clears throat> this is this also might partially be because I don't have a twelve five, and I, I really mm. like the fives in the other three. Okay. So I've got I've got UConn next. Yep. I think they're they're so good. Yeah. Uh, 
I got UConn, TCU, yep. Gonzaga, Northwestern, yep, UCLA. Northwestern, I'm, I'm UCLA. literally chalk yep. in this uh, in That's, this region. Okay. So do we do do we want to go back up to to uh, the south for, for for round of 32? Sounds good to me. Cool. Uh, Bama. That one's not hard. Yep. Uh, San Diego State over Furman. Uh, that's what I got. Yep. Uh, Baylor over Creighton. That's no. what I'm going to take. Nope. No. No. Nope. Why not? I've got Creighton over Baylor because I think the interior defense and presence of Kalbrenner makes it a lot and a lot more challenging for Baylor. Yes, they get they did get Jamin on Chachwa. Oh, I'm not going to try anymore. <laughs> a Chachwa or Jamin a Chachwa. Yeah. I can't say. I don't know if that's the full name or whatever, but you know what I'm talking about. The big guy yeah. in the middle. Yes. Seems like he's hurt all the time. They finally got him back. But uh, I I just don't know. I like Baylor. Baylor can go like super far, or they could go a first round exit. Like they they have experienced guards who can score, and Scott Drew is a really good coach. I'm I, that's ultimately for it for me. That's it's fair defense for me. But it's so much easier to convince guys to try to play defense in March than it is at any other time of the year. And you look at Creighton; they split with UConn. Yep. Barely lost to Texas. Lost by five. Yeah. Lost to Arizona by two. Yeah. They lost to Marquette both games. Went one and through uh one and two against Xavier, beat your Razorbacks, split with Providence, lost to Arizona State. And then you look at Baylor, they've beat UCLA, they beat Gonzaga, they split with Kansas, split with Texas, lost to Marquette by twenty six. Uh lost to Kansas State both times, lost to Iowa State three times. Yeah. That's and split with TCU. I don't know. I I like him. I just guards who can score. That's that's the recipe for March. For me, it's also the fact that Baylor was such an early exit in that Big Twelve tournament too. That scares me a little bit. Maybe it was a wake up call. I'm 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 gonna look at it like that. <laughs> I, I yeah. I mean, the, the, like you said, they do have experienced guards with Cryer and uh, uh, Flagler, and uh, Keontae George is a top fifteen pick, so. They can make they can make it, but I just kind of I kind of like the uh, the unknown nature, if you will, of Creighton to make a little bit of a run here in uh, in March. That's fair. Um, and I'm assuming we both have Arizona over Missouri. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the East. Purdue. Yep. Oh no, Memphis. I'm gonna Purdue. do it. I'm gonna take Memphis. I just the, my issue with Purdue, and it's Purdue. I think is I view Purdue very similar to how you view Baylor. Purdue's either going to exit early or they're going to make a run to probably the Final Four. I think Purdue will win any game where they don't go up against a team that has a big that can match up with Edie. So I, I, think with, I don't see Florida Atlantic or Memphis being able to match up with Edie. My thing with Memphis, they can score. Like Houston's one of the best defensive teams in the country, and I've seen Memphis, I'm not going to say score with ease, but manufacture buckets. And so I, I know that they can score. And the thing with Purdue is I understand that very few teams can match up with Edie. But here's the thing. March is not about bigs. It's not. It's about, you know, we've said it a hundred times already on this pod. Yep. It's about experienced guards, and they've got, they have two freshman guards, and Brayden Smith is either great or he turns the ball over a whole bunch. But when you look at their Big Ten tournament run, David Jenkins and Brandon Newman, two experienced guards, and Mason they played Gillis, more. Those were the three catalysts that helped they were. them throughout the entire tournament. So they were. I just that's and the one the, argument. The other I thing too make. with Purdue is like 
outside of Zach Eady, they have no one who can consistently create offense. Yeah. And those 10 minutes when Edie's not on the floor very rarely go well for Purdue. And and when we look at the games that they've lost, it's because they haven't shot well. Yep. And they're they're going to be due for a game at some point where Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer and these guys aren't knocking down shots consistently, and that'll be the game that they lose. And when you play Memphis, you have to knock down shots consistently because Memphis can score. The question for me is how is Zach Eady officiated? Because everyone has been saying... Isn't that such a dicey thing in college basketball? Yeah, everyone's been saying, like, Edie will be officiated differently in the NCAA tournament, but it's like half these Big Ten officials aren't just exclusively the Big Ten. I've seen them in the MAC. I've seen them in Mountain West. I've seen them in the SEC. I've seen them in the Big East. Like, these aren't guys that are just Big Ten officials. Like, they officiate other conference games. Yeah. So, But it's the guys that don't get to do the Big Ten games or that get on these kind of games where you see – Zach Eady, it's like, how's he officiated? Is he officiated as, you know, he is getting assaulted in and the block? And that's the thing. Or is he giving the assault and he's going to be called for more fouls? Like, it's going to be one or the other. So, here's, like, the thing is, the more the games matter, the less things are called, which I think is the way it should be. Yes. And so, like, there's like, there's going to be a game where Edie gets hacked and they just don't call it all game. And it's gonna be really frustrating. And I'm gonna sit over at my fiance's house with with her dad and watch him <laughs> off the TV, and it's gonna be great. Yeah. But it's 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 bound to happen. And I think ultimately, I, I I can't take Purdue simply because of the lack of shot creation outside of Edie. I I mean I understand it. I I can see it. I, they are easily the the only one seed I could see losing in the first two rounds. Really? Okay. I don't think the other three will lose. I think the other three will make it to the, at least the Sweet 16. Okay, fair enough. Which, I mean, isn't very ludicrous to say because it's like... It's not. <laughs> you're facing a 16 seed and then you get an 8 or 9 seed. Yeah. yeah. So, Duke and Tennessee. Duke. I've got Duke, yeah. Or I've got Duke and Tennessee. You, you do too. That's right. Yep. Uh, Kansas State or Kentucky? I took Kansas State. I, I think I'm going to... They're just... They're playing really... But they're both playing well right now. That's the thing. Um, Kansas State's that, been so much more consistent, though. And I love their transfers. Their transfers have all played in March at some point. And that's the thing with Kentucky. Like, outside of Shibway, a bunch of their guards are younger. So I, I think I'm going to take Kansas State. Keontae George and Marquise Noel, those are the two difference makers for me, and that's why I took Kansas State. That's fair. And I think the um, I think the conference that Kansas State plays in is going to benefit them here in come March. That's fair. Are you saying that <laughs> – do you not like the SEC? <laughs> Uh, I don't like the SEC this year. Really? Uh, SEC and Big Ten were relatively weak this year. The Big East and the Big 12 were really strong. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to take Marquette to beat Michigan State. I do too. But I love Shaka. I do too. I like, But like we talked about with Izzo, I could see Michigan State pulling this out because too. of their ability to rebound. That's the one. If Marquette – you can say this about every team. If they're not making shots, they're not going to win. If they're making shots, they're unbeatable. Marquette struggles to rebound, and if they are not rebounding against a good Sparty team offensively, and they're getting second chance opportunities, Sparty can uh, Sparty can make a run. Okay. Moving on, back up to the Midwest. Cougars. Yeah, Houston's not hard. Uh, if it. IU plays Miami, I'm I'm going to take IU. If IU plays Miami, I'm taking Miami. Really? The guards. That's fair. 
That's yeah, that's very fair. I think you're right. I've I'm, got IU and Drake, but I took IU. You've you've convinced me to flip that. If that tells you how I feel about IU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Iowa State and Xavier, I'm gonna take Xavier. Let's go Musketeers. Yep. I'm gonna take A and M to beat Texas. I took Texas. A and M defensively, man. Texas fits that mold to make the to make a run. This game's gonna be a slugfest. Can you a- imagine Texas those? and A M. Oh my gosh! Both yep. teams defensively. Marcus Carr. There's your. That's the that Marcus Carr and um, Wade. Is that his name for A and M? The guard that I'm thinking of. I, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, I think his name. Yeah, uh, you got Dexter Dennis, and I can't remember the other guy, but yeah, Marcus Carr for me is the guy that I that I think the Longhorns rely on come March because this is his like 17th year in college basketball. <laughs> okay, my thing with A and M. Like, I don't care what conference you're playing. They won 17 conference games. Yep. Like, that is hard to do in yeah. any conference. I think and they defend. They are experienced. They make you so uncomfortable. And they just, they, they force you to turn the ball over. They're a team I'm, that beat Alabama. They are a team that beat Alabama. And, and they so, were ranked 18th prior to the conference ter- championship game. Yeah. And then they somehow got, they get into a seven scene. If they shouldn't of, be a seven. I mean, if you think about it, when you. Do one through six times four is twenty four. So you're saying they're the committee is that they're a team that's ranked between twenty five and twenty eight. Yeah, I I like them. I I I think they'll beat Texas. I really. I've, I've also watched them play a, a pretty pretty. By the way, Raheem Mostert and the Dolphins just agreed on a two year contract. Yes. Figured Thank you, you like that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, uh, the West, I Kansas, got Kansas and Arkansas. I I'm sorry, I got Kansas. Here's my thing. If Bill Self doesn't coach this game, I don't think Bill Self is coaching this month. Did you, I was I was told that he had two uh, stints put in his heart. So, look, if he doesn't coach, I think Arkansas will beat him, just because they are he, the, the 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 tough thing with Arkansas, especially for me. I just watched every minute of every game. The highs are so high, and the lows are low. The, the lows are so low, and and on top of that, like with Musselman, man, he just the must bus. He's such a good coach. Yeah. And it's it's so hard for me. Yeah, maybe it is bias, but at the same time, I think even non Arkansas fans would agree that this gonna, team's very talented. You're gonna laugh at what I'm about to say. Okay, you got to ride the dick. <laughs> okay, you're right. Give me the hogs. <laughs> <laughs> you got to ride the dick. You do. Give them to me, Brady um, Dick. Okay, <laughs> I had okay. to put that in there. Just okay. yeah, yeah, clarification. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got UConn. Whether yep. they play VCU or St. Mary's, agreed. UConn's so good. Get, this is where I get a little, go a little left field. Okay, I got TCU to beat Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I know you don't. I do. Fair enough. Why? Like, why is that? What is it about the conference and of TCU being in the Big East? Like, it was such a or yeah, Big Twelve. Sorry, Big Twelve. Yeah, it was such a gauntlet of a year for them and i think it's going to prepare them for for the tournament like you go up and you face texas you face baylor iowa state kansas west virginia iowa providence like that's a a lot of teams that are in the field it is and they lost one two three four five of those so they went one two three four five six uh seven eight so, uh, so they went eight and seven against the field because they lost twice to Iowa State. Jeez. So they went eight and seven against the field, and I think that's the big part here. When you look at 
Gonzaga, yeah, they had the early season win against Alabama, but I don't think Alabama was yet the tide of They're now. Not. They're not. Yes, yes, I agree. And, of course, Gonzaga lost to Purdue. They've lost to Texas Baylor, 2-1 uh, and one against St. Mary's, uh, beat Kentucky, and beat Xavier. Resume isn't as strong for Gonzaga. Especially not as it was last year. But there's just there's this really weird thing where whenever we expect a lot from a team, they tend to not deliver because because the expectations are so big. And then the expectations drop, and the following year, they end up doing better. Now, look, I don't think Gonzaga is going to win the whole thing, but like they still have Timmy. They still have guys who can play and who have been here, so I'm, I'm going to take the Zags. I like Mike Miles, and in the, in the area offensively and where TCU struggles is where Gonzaga struggles defensively. Gonzaga struggles with defending the three and spot-up shooters, and that's what TCU struggles at to do is make threes and make spot-up shots. So it'll be very interesting to see if uh, – Miles and company can exploit the defenses of that Gonzaga, um, of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Okay. Uh, UCLA? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that was not hard. Alabama, San Diego State. Bama. Uh, Bama, Roll yeah. tide. Even though I, I'm excited to talk about Alabama here at some point. I guess it'll be in the next round. Uh, I'm going to take Arizona to beat Baylor or whoever they play, really. Same. Moving. I got them over Creighton, so yes. Okay, moving down to the east. Give me the Blue Devils. Same. Over, I got them over Purdue. I think Filipowski can match up like we've been talking about with with Edie, and then uh, and they played early Brooks. this year, and Purdue kind of handed it to him. Yeah, but Duke is so much better now. Duke Duke is playing as well as anybody in in the country right now. Yes, and plus there is a lot more tape on Purdue now compared to when they played earlier in the year. Yeah, there is. Uh, Kansas State and Marquette. I went Marquette. I think I'm going to take him too. I just I like Sh- I like Shaka Smart. He he lives for March. He can coach, man. Yeah. And in the Big East, well, this is Big East, Big Twelve. Yep. Um, I'm I'm going to take Marquette. I really I really just I really like this team. Cougars over Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah. Or or for me, Miami. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I think this is where A and M's run ends. I'm, I'll take Xavier to beat them because ultimately A and M their lack of Offense, I think, is, is going to catch up to him at some point. Yep, I got Texas. Hook him. Hook him. Oh, golly. This is where Rock Chalk Jayhawk ends for me. You think UConn beats him? Yep. Here's here's the thing. My favorite Eric Musselman stat. He is undefeated when he has four days or more to prep. <laughs> and that's how many days you get beto- b- between the weekends. But UConn's so good. I just man, I just I, I I'm gonna say UConn. I just don't want to say I just don't want to sound like like a homer. Ultimately, if they can defend without fouling, I think UConn can beat anybody. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's I agree. I've got Gonzaga and UCLA. You've got TCU and UCLA. Yep. I'm gonna take UCLA. I'm gonna ride the hot hand. I'm gonna take TCU. Are you really? Okay. I know TC or UCLA will get their man in the middle back, but. I don't know. I, I just get. I just. I don't know. I don't know what's my infatuation with the Horned Frogs. I don't know. I don't know. I don't Purple know maybe. Huh? Purple maybe. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Moving back up, the Elite Eight. Alabama, Arizona. Give me the Cats. Same. Tubelis, Balo. They have some good guards. I think the size of those two guys down low is too much to overcome for Alabama. Yeah. I, I would agree. 
And on top of that, like and uh, the the thing with Alabama, Larson off the bench, I think he. I think he may be able to hold his own against Brandon Miller when it comes to defending Miller. Yeah, here's, I don't know. Here's the thing with Alabama. They got Brandon Miller, and he's he's really good. He's the best player in college basketball. Him or Edie, yeah. Best He'll, player is Brandon Miller. Okay, fair Most enough. Most dominant is Zach Edie is how I would. Okay, that's fair. Two. Yeah. I don't mind that. Here's the thing with Alabama and just Nate Oates and the way that he coaches in general. They shoot so many threes. And so much of their offense is predicated on their ability to knock down threes. And it gets, and look, it's this is what makes March Madness great. You are one bad shooting night away from losing, even if you don't shoot a whole bunch of threes. Yep. And then you throw in the fact that Alabama does. When you play against teams like Arizona, who who can defend? Yeah. I I'm gonna take I'm I'm, I'm gonna take the Cats. Love me some Tommy Lloyd. Yes, sir. Duke and Marquette. I think we 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 both got the same thing here. I'm I'm gonna ride with Duke. Yep, they're just. But at the same time, they've won nine games in a row at this point. They'll be at what like fourteen. That's really hard to do. Yeah, but then again, one of those games is against. Well, never, I'm about to say one of those games is against the 12 seed, but that 12 seed is Will Roberts, and they can play. I know. But yeah, I'm 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 gonna ride with them. They've I, just they've really figured some things out. Yeah, I've got Texas. Really, you got Texas beating Houston. Yep, I I have Houston beating Xavier. I love to pick Houston, but Houston can defend. They they defend at such a high level, can and they, but can they is Sasser, score? Is Sasser playing? I would assume by the Elite Eight he'd be playing. I would too. But can they score? That's the question. Which is weird to say is can Houston score with? I know they'll have Sasser. Jarris Walker is really good, but can they get help outside of those two guys? That's the only question I've got for them. That's fair. That's a, it's a fair question. And if you think about it, especially when especially when you're playing Texas, and who Texas can defend, is long and athletic, they are. just like Houston. They are. But here's the thing: if, if if they're playing, what what if they're playing Xavier though, and they're not playing Texas? Because that's what I've got. I would take Houston. Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of that's where I'm at. UConn and UCLA. Uh, I've got UConn TCU, and I took the Huskies. Um, man, I really like UConn. But UCLA should should have their guy back. I'm gonna say UCLA. I love you. I just maybe it's the baby blue and gold. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, Arizona Duke. I took Arizona. Man, my thing because is because Balo and Filipowski. Balo, I would give the advantage to the only the only way I could see Duke winning. Omar Balo sometimes thinks he's like Nikola Jokic or Giannis or Embiid, and he thinks he can do the Eurostep thing and create <laughs> with his own dribble. No, no, no. No, no, no. Come on, Balo. Stick to being the guy in the post who just backs everyone down because you're like 7'2 and 270 pounds and can block any shot at the rim. Philip Housey's going to pull him out to the perimeter. Then you can put Tabellus on him. Yes. If that, if that, there you, you go. Pull him out that way. See, there's the there's the Jekyll and Hyde. Like, okay, like, I I've seen I've barely seen Arizona play this year. I'm I'm going to trust you. You really like him. I do. So I I will agree with you. Arizona. I got Arizona Texas because I have Texas. Being you think UConn. Texas is going to play for the national championship? I do. I think Arizona's going to play. Oh, man, do I really think Arizona's going to play Beard UCLA? Who? Chris Beard, who? Yeah, really. Chris Beard, the new head coach at Ole Miss. I know. And I've got Arizona beating Texas. I am. 
I don't like Houston. And just simply because the favorite to win the tournament never wins the tournament and Houston's the favorite. Really? It's not It's it's Houston. Interesting. I thought it was Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Mm mm. Um I'm gonna say UCLA. Oh yeah, plus five hundred, and then it's Alabama seven fifty, twelve hundred for. So what I should do is plus put some money on plus fifteen hundred for at Arizona. I guess. And then uh, what are UCLA's odds? Because that's that's who I'm going to take. Plus twelve hundred. So they gave UCLA better odds to win it all, despite Arizona just beating them in the national or not in well, the national. But what's his name didn't play in the conference in the conference? Clark. Clark. He's out for the year. I don't know, man. I'm gonna take UC. I guess I'm gonna take UCLA. No, I'm gonna take Arizona. <laughs> Let's flip it. Why not? I'm gonna pick the team that I've seen play maybe three times this year to win the whole thing. <laughs> Why not? And you know what? Let's let's take Houston too, because I I do really like Houston. No, no, I can't. I don't like Houston that much. <laughs> Arizona beats UCLA to win it all. Arizona beats Texas for me, seventy four sixty eight. So we we both have Arizona. Yeah, I like those. I've talked you into the cats. I've talked you into the cats. You have. They're they're going to lose to Princeton. And I'm just I'm just going to like see the big thing for me that really won me over with Arizona is like they struggled to shoot the three against UCLA, but they were able to come up with enough stops against UCLA late to pull out the win. And I think in if in March. Like we were talking about, if you're not knocking down shots, you have to be able to hang your hat on the defensive end of the court. And yeah. I think uh, Tommy Lloyd's team can do that. Yeah, the ability to win in, in multiple ways. That's that's the key to winning, and, and they can win predicated on their defense. They can shoot the ball. If they can't shoot the ball, like yeah. you said, they they can win those games. That's why it's so frustrating for me as an Indiana fan. It's like they play almost every game this year. Sure, there are a couple anomalies along the way where – they shot really well, but for the most part, they don't shoot well. And sometimes they win games, and it's like, okay, you can compete for a national championship because you've got Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Shafino. But if you can just get shooting every game, like they're such a hard team to beat. They are. They're tough. I I really like IU. Like if if IU made if IU made a deep run, I I wouldn't be surprised. Me either. I, I wouldn't. I same thing with Purdue. There's some. I heard somebody say the other day, I'm blanking on who, they, they say usually there's there's like 8 to 10 teams who are good enough to win the whole thing. He's like, this year there's like 24. Uh, yeah. And so, which is going to make for a great yeah, a great March. It will. It will. So it, it, it all starts tonight. Do you, do you know which games are tonight? Oh, man. it's We can find out. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, or however you say it. Yeah. And uh, Southeast Missouri State, that's at 640. That's the true TV game. And then after that on 940 or 910, it's Pitt, Mississippi State. Sounds good. Yeah. Those should be two good ones to get us started. Yeah, I agree. And it's going to be so, – I'm so glad it's here. Golly. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, for any time. Seriously, I'm sure I'm sure this will happen again at some point. Yeah, pace season's almost over, so my schedule's about to open up. So you may hear a little bit more of me whenever – Hey, baseball good. season's right around the corner too. Baseball season's going on. What do you mean? Well, like the official the the, 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 the ofi- oh, I guess that's true. I was about to say I guess the official start of the regular season opening day. Did you see less than a month away? Did you see Puerto Rico throwing the first perfect game? No, not a perfect game. It was not a perfect game. Oh, because it didn't go all nine. Is yeah. that is that your thing? Okay, yeah. that's fair. Not a perfect game. That's fair. A close. <laughs> really close. Yeah. Twenty four up. That would, that would be like 
that would be like if I let me ask you this. That would be like Clayton Kershaw or at whatever pitcher. They put they pitch six innings, the game gets called to the rain finals, like two zero Dodgers, perfect game. No? That's yes. fair. See? That's the yeah, okay, that's fair. I don't exactly. mind that. I think my, my favorite memory ever watching a Dodgers game, Rich Hill. Oh my god. Through a no hitter through nine. I remember this. And it's tied zero zero, and like the first batter that gets, just happened like three, two years ago, yeah. didn't it? Two, three yeah. years ago, so something like that. Yeah, and he's the first batter in extra innings went deep, and that was the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so frustrating. And I still can't believe Homer Bailey has two of those things. Unreal. I know. Unreal to me. It's just that's that's the beauty of baseball, though. You just did you just see that? Yeah, I did see that. That was kind of cool. I know. I couldn't do that again. Off the foot, off the wall, off the corner, right right back to the hand. <laughs> yeah, I know. I couldn't do that again. <laughs> anyway, man, I got to run. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. Thank you guys so much for listening. That was Eddie Garrison, the man. Um, I'll be back again with another podcast at some point this week, probably on Thursday. It might be tomorrow, depending on what all breaks with NFL free agency. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. I'll talk to you all again at some point this week. 